The text I've chosen for the sermon this morning is verse 40 of Deuteronomy 32. We'll read that verse again. And there the Lord God says, For I raise my hand to heaven and say, As I live forever. Beloved people of God, brothers and sisters, boys and girls too, I remember that uh, when I was in high school that every classroom had a, a very large clock at the front of the class. It was kind of irritating because you could see how long you had to be in class, yet in the difficult classrooms that was uh, a bit hard to take. Sometimes it took so long, it seemed like every minute was 10 minutes. Sometimes time went wonderfully fast. Later on, I worked in a factory, and every work area had also one of those large clocks in it. So you knew when you had to start work, and you knew when work was finished, also when you had your lunch hour. Clocks. Clocks everywhere. Our lives are governed by time. There's no clock here in church, though, here up at the front or so, or even at the back. Isn't time important in church? Of course it is, otherwise the minister might ramble on too long. But whether there's a clock or not, you have to a clock that you have to watch or whether there is no clock, time will go on. Time does go on. There isn't a place here on earth where time stands still. We sometimes say that metaphorically, time has stood still here, but there is no place here on earth. However, in heaven, there is no time, no passage of time. God lives in heaven. God is eternal. He's above and beyond time. It's hard for us to imagine. But God made time in the beginning. He created time. He first created day and night. It was morning and it was evening, the first day. And on the fourth day, he created the sun, moon, and stars to measure the passage of time. It says Genesis 1.14 that God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. He created time and the way for us to measure time. And so we say time passes here on earth. Time passes in days, in minutes, days, years here on earth. In heaven, there are no minutes, 
days, months, years. In heaven, we could say pretty well, it was always, it's always day. It's always light. And God doesn't get any older there. For him, there's no yesterday and no tomorrow. For God, it's always now. And the passage of time has no effect on him. He lets time pass here on earth. Events happen. History is made. That's here. But God is outside of that. Time doesn't pass with him. There's no clocks in heaven. And I believe that's maybe why clocks actually don't belong in church. We meet the eternal God here. The God who lives forever. And when we're with him, time can stand still for a while. We can come to rest here. Rest. It's nice not to be chased along by time here. Having to do all kinds of things here. And that's the trouble with life, isn't it? It's often way too hectic. But God is never busy. God can't be rushed for time. God is eternal, lives forever. And that's why we can come to rest with him on the day of rest. And that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? That we come together here in his rest. Here the eternal touches time. That the eternal God has a relationship with us here on earth and we can rejoice in that, especially on the day of worship. And that brings me to the theme of the sermon this morning, God deals with us from out of his eternity. From out of his eternity, congregation, God, who lives forever, enters our time here on earth in order to have a living relationship with us. You see that in our text for this sermon, Deuteronomy 32, verse 40. Deuteronomy 32, as I mentioned, is a song of Moses. And for the last half of chapter 31, we're given to understand that God gave this song to Moses while he was standing in the tabernacle with Joshua. And then he had to take in this song, maybe write it down there as God gave it to him. And he had to teach the Israelites to sing this same song. They had to know it by heart. And they had to teach it to their children later on. So it was a very special song. It's even been put to rhyme and music in hymn 12 in our book of praise. What is this song about? This whole song? Well, it's about how God deals with his people and how he's going to deal with them in their life there in Canaan. The Israelites stood at the border of the land of Canaan. God was about to give them that land. He would be with them as they conquered other nations to take possession of it. But once they lived in that land, God says they will forsake him and they will serve other gods. And he will punish them for that. And he will, he will allow other nations to put a lot of pressure on Israel. He'll let their enemies 
oppress them. He'll give them over to his enemies. And he'll do that, as he says in verse 36 and following, so that they realize he alone is God. He alone can give life and blessing. He alone can save them. And then he says in our text, verse 44, I raise my hand to heaven, and I say as I live forever. So God speaks as if he were someone on earth here with his people, as if he were a man. We call that, he, he speaks, God speaking anthropocentrically, pomorphically. He raises his hand to heaven, and he swears an oath, and he swears to do what, to, what he swears to do is to destroy the enemies of his people. As he says in those following verses after verse 40, he will kill them with sword and arrows like a warrior. And then in verse 43, he tells everyone to rejoice because it means deliverance for his people. He will no longer punish them by giving them over to their enemies, but he will save them. And the, the last line of that song is a wonderful climax to the whole song. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. In other words, he'll provide for the complete forgiveness of all the sins of his people. But note again what our text says, God raises his hand to heaven and he swears an oath. As I live forever, I will bring that deliverance to pass. So God gives what he says extra weight and force by mentioning his eternity, swearing on his eternity. He says, in fact, I live forever. I'm eternal. I'm not bound by time. Think about that if you doubt what I'm telling you now. What I say is just as sure as I'm eternal God. And remember, God says wonderful things. I'm going to deliver you from your enemies and I'm going to provide atonement. I'm going to provide payment for all your sins. So every time, actually, that God speaks, the eternal God speaks, every time he makes promises, not only here, but throughout the whole of the Bible, he speaks as the eternal God. And congregation, that gives God's words enormous force and strength and range. If a person like you or, or I make a promise and then something happens we have no control over, for instance, we become sick or when we die even, then we, we can't do as we promised anymore. But God is not a temporal human being subject to what happens over time. God is eternal. And therefore, what he says will happen. He will always keep his word. Always do as he promised. Also do as he threatened to do. To punish. He swears by his eternity here. We can't fathom what, what that eternity actually is, can we? We can just stammer about it. That God lives forever can only fill us with deep awe. 
for God. We can't fully understand Him. He's incomprehensible in this. And that's a good thing, too, for because, because, because of that, he's a, he's a God we can respect, a God we can expect glorious things from, a God we can look up to. You know, we sometimes talk about things taking forever. Sometimes even we say, you know, it's taking an eternity for that person to do what he said. The way we use those words, it simply means a really, really long time. Or more literally, a period of time without end. That's what we usually think of when we hear the word eternal. A super, super long period of time. And in the case of God's eternity, that means that, when he, that then he has no beginning and no end, as the Bible says. And that already makes our minds real. We can't fathom that. No beginning and no end. What is that? Still, if we think of eternity like that, we, we're, we're still thinking in too limited a way about it. We think of eternity then as something before the history of this world and after the history of this world. God was already there before this world was, and he'll be there forever afterwards. However, if we think that way about God's eternity, then we think of it in terms of before and after the history of this world. God was there before the history of this world. He'll be there after the history of this world ends, and he'll take his people to live with him forever then. But congregation, God is eternal God today, too. Today, too, he is eternal and not subject to history. During the history of this world, he is, as it's unfolding at this time, God is eternal, too. So his eternity is actually not a super long period of time before and after the history of this world. It's not even something like time without beginning or end. No, God lives forever and he is eternal and that means that he is not subject to time at all, even now. That's more than that he was there before and will be after the history of this world. It means more. It means that God is above and beyond time. We're captured in time here. God is not. For him, today too, there is no yesterday and tomorrow, no past, no present. For God, there is no succession of minutes, hours, or days, ever. God's eternity is there throughout. He lives in an eternal present. God, congregation, is outside of time, above time. After all, he created time. He did that for us. He can also temporarily or permanently remove the whole passage of time. I think of when Joshua and the Israelites fought against the Amorites in the valley of Ayalon in Joshua 10. Joshua called for the sun and moon to stand still. And God stopped time 
till the Israelites had defeated the kings and their armies who had come out against them. God can do that. He stands outside of time as it's measured here on earth. Minutes, days, months. Time has no effect on God either. God doesn't get older at all. He lives forever. So the difference between time and eternity, congregation, isn't a quantitative difference. Eternity is not the endless passage of time. No, the difference between time and eternity is qualitative. Eternity is of a whole different order of things. Eternity is a different dimension. It actually has nothing to do with time. It's separate. We can't fathom that. We can only think in terms of time here, in terms of the passage of time in our own lives. But God, eternal, and eternity has its source in God himself. And that's God's way of existing. We can't understand it all. All we can say is that when God says he lives forever, he's not bound to time, also not now. In our world, every second counts, but in his world, only he counts his existence. God says in our text, he lives forever. He's eternal. The Spirit says that throughout the Bible. Psalm 90, the prayer of Moses, which we sang at the beginning of this service, it says, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God alone. Or think of Isaiah 40, where the Lord God says through the prophet, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, not affected by time. And in 1 Timothy 1.17, the apostle Paul says, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God alone who is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. God is eternal. And we confess that in Article 1 of the Belgian Confession. You might want to look at that too at home. So God lives forever. He dwells in eternal light. Why would he, from his eternity, bother to relate to us here captured in time? Well, he created the universe, time, man, and he takes to heart, and that's the wonderful thing, that the eternal takes to heart what happens here on this tiny planet in the universe in time, in its time. The history of this little world is real to him. It exists, not in the sense of something that happened in the past or something that's going to happen in the future. No, for God and eternity, as we mentioned, past and future are always present. From his eternity, God sees all that happens here at once. God so loves his creation and his people in time that he's willing from his eternity to enter into our time here. Think of how he walked with Adam and Eve and spoke with them in the Garden of Eden already. Think of how he searched for Adam after the fall. Where are you? He was there. 
Think of how he appeared to Abraham in human form and spoke to Abraham face to face there. How Abraham prepared a meal for him. God entered time briefly. Think of how he made his presence known to Moses and spoke with him on Mount Horeb and afterward too. The eternal God enters into time. And it's all precursor to the time that, to, to when God enters our world, enters our time in his eternal Son. The Son of God entered this time-bound little world. He was born into this world a child who grew up over time, who as mortal man had a ministry that he executed over time, who gave his life, his holy life for sinners. God's Son subjected himself to time, to the passage of time here. Think of what he said in John 8, 58, before Abraham was, I am. He was telling the Jews that he had come from eternity. He was the eternal Son of God who had come here into time. And they didn't accept that. He let himself be directed by the passage of time in which nothing that happened can be changed and the future comes inescapably towards you. And he let himself be nailed to a cross in time to be forsaken by the Father during three hours of darkness. It's always amazing how the times are exactly stated there. When you read about Jesus' crucifixion, at the ninth hour and so on. Those, those hours are mentioned. He was forsaken, three hours of darkness, to atone for all the sins of his own, the past, present, and future sins of his people. Of course, for the eternal God, the cross on Golgotha already existed long ago. And his kingdom is already a reality, the fullness but the thing is, man here in time and creation in time have to catch up with that reality yet. See, congregation, we shouldn't try to draw God into our time-bound way of thinking. It's actually the other way around. Because of Christ, we may look forward to being drawn into God's eternity. God deals with us in time from out of his eternity and he has promised to draw us out of time into his eternity. To bring us to live with him there. So congregation, why does God tell us in his word that he is the eternal God, the one who lives forever? As he does in our text in Deuteronomy 32, God gives his words, his promises, gravity and force by bringing his eternity into the picture, swearing on his eternity. Because he is the eternal one, his words are always true. 
for the future which he promises already exists with him. This means you realize that God's promises are always worth believing. This means that what he promises us here in time is already reality for him in his eternity. God's eternity congregation also helps us to understand some things a bit better. Think of God's decree of eternal election, whereby, as it says in Ephesians 1, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. That means that God, outside of time, chose people to live for him. That election is worked out in time here on earth, but from God's point of view in eternity, there is no before, during, or after. For him, it's already a done deal, so to speak. When he makes that decree, it's a done deal. The change of time here and the events here don't change anything in that eternal decree of election from God. All he determined is certain and sure. And so the fact that God comes to us as eternal God in time and works for us here in time in Christ, that's a big encouragement for us. He doesn't change in his eternity. People here on earth, they can change what they decide to do. They can change their minds, their circumstances can change, and they can pass away here, so what they planned does not happen. But the eternal God is outside of that. What he decides will not change. He doesn't change his mind about anything. He keeps his decrees, his promises stand. Also his promise to destroy the enemies of his people and to save his own, to atone for their sins in Jesus Christ. And that's why Revelation 14, verse 6, speaks of his letting the everlasting gospel be preached here on earth. The gospel of Jesus Christ is everlasting gospel. It's set in eternity. God saw it all already, and so it's not going to change. No congregation that God is eternal means that he doesn't change, that he's immutable. His love doesn't change through impressions that he gets from us. Fortunately not. His goodness doesn't change, doesn't increase or decrease. His goodness isn't subject to change over time. And that's why the preacher says in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 14, I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. God does it that men should fear before him. That's what the, the, teachers, the preacher says in, in Ecclesiastes. In other words, what the eternal God decides will happen here in time, and nothing can change it, and that should make people stand in awe of him. What an encouragement for us to know that too. We, people of promise, to know that. Our God is trustworthy and true in every word that he has spoken. And God reveals this to us in the Bible, brothers and sisters, so that we realize the seriousness of our living in time here. 
as his people were on the way to eternity. His eternal son has come into our time to bring deliverance for us from sin and its effects. He has ascended into heaven, into the eternal glory with his father there again. But as he came from eternity into our time the first time, the angels said he will come back a second time as he came the first. And then, then he will abolish time. He will abolish all temporal things. And if time is no more, then he brings his own into his eternal glory. And then the question is whether you have a relationship with his son who came into this time to atone for his own. Do you have that relationship here in time? Because everything temporal in the end will meet with the eternal God. Again, that God is eternal means that all his promises are certain and sure. His promises signified and sealed in baptism are certain because for him there is no time between the making and the fulfillment of those promises. There is for us, and God takes what we do in, in time here seriously, whether we believe or don't believe those promises, but for God, promise and fulfillment come together. The promise doesn't come before the fulfillment. They're the same for the eternal God. For him, there is no time between. And so God's faithfulness is rooted in his eternity, you see. And congregation, the eternal God enters our time and space now through his word. His word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the eternal gospel we mentioned before. 1 Peter 1 verse 23, the apostle Peter mentions about having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Here we are in time, and eternity comes to us in the word of God. It's an eternal truth. The gospel of Jesus Christ is always true, that eternal gospel. And it's always applicable regardless of time and circumstance because it's eternal. The gospel of Jesus Christ existed before the world was, was made. It existed, God saw it already. And that gospel has entered time without being dependent on time. It's the eternal gospel whenever and wherever it's heard. It's the good news of Jesus Christ always and forever and everywhere, and that'll never change. And you know whether you have the gospel of the eternal God in your life, if you examine yourself to see how much you're still held in the grip of time. A lot of people are extremely narrow-minded, and they live their lives in this world, in this time-bound world, without any consciousness of eternity. They live their lives in this time-bound world as if this is it. This is the whole thing here. There is no existence after death according to them. And then it's no wonder their lives are always rushed, is it? Because everything you want to experience, you have to, you have to experience it here in this short time that you have here. Every day is one day less to, in, to experience those things that you want to. So 
So they need to have as much pleasure as possible, earn as much money as possible, be as healthy as possible, as long as possible in this life, because it all has to be packed here in this life. And sometimes there's even the conflicts with what, what is wanted. How can you have as much pleasure as possible and earn as much money as possible at the same time? You're either going to have a lot of pleasure or you're going to have a little money, or you're going to have a lot of money but no pleasure. You see, we, we end up, you end up with a lot of pressure and stress trying to achieve your wants in limited time. Congregation, if we find ourselves caught up in that kind of pressure and stress, we have to ask ourselves if we really have the eternal gospel in our hearts. Do I really have a relationship with the eternal God if I'm just living for here and now? He has promised that he's going to enter into time and history again in his son to put an end to time and take his own out of time into his eternity with him. But, and, and there he wants us to live with him in that eternity without time to listen and to look and enjoy forever. But to have that hope, you need to be preoccupied with that everlasting gospel here, now. And to live out of that, that gospel. And if you do, you start tasting eternal life here and now already while still bound in time. As you live your life here from the beginning to the end. That gospel given us here in time by the eternal God makes this life worthwhile already. In all the ups and downs of your life, you experience the mercy and care and help of your eternal Father in Christ. He was with you before you were conceived as he says in his word. And he'll be there after you leave this life, as he also says in that eternal gospel. And when you leave this time-bound life, you can trust that your life will go on with him in that eternity. You walk through this life then with him. You're walking with him through this life then towards eternity towards the, that eternity in which time has no grip and hold on you anymore. Congregation, we'll come to the end of this sermon. And we started by mentioning there's no clock on the wall here in church. Well, that's because here in church, we get the foretaste of eternal life with the eternal God when he opened his eternal gospel. Time has no grip on him. And that's something that can become more and more a reality in your life and my life too. And we learn, we learn that in church under the proclamation of that eternal gospel. Here, then, with that word, you learn to come to rest and to leave behind all the rush and stress because of time 
here. Here, you take the time to listen to the eternal gospel of the eternal God. And that gospel leads to eternal deliverance. Because after all, and that's sure, certain and sure, because after all, God has raised his hand and he has sworn, as I live forever, forever, 